0: Such a joy to be with you. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you, uh, Lyndon and Prakashni, for your hospitality. It's uh, just great to be with you guys. I bring greetings from our church back home, Good News Church, and they send their love. Also, my family, Cynthia, and the kids, they, I bring love from them as well. Uh, it's a great joy to be with Lyndon and uh, the, uh, the teaching on Romans. You have a great uh, Bible teacher in Linden and uh, the way he expounds the word and studies God's word. is so well read. Uh, He's a great great, uh, privilege to have as a leader here with you guys. And so we've enjoyed studying this book of Romans. Many years ago, uh, when I was in Bible school, my uh, teacher uh, at Bible school, his name was John Hosea, uh, he said to me, if you're ever caught by terrorists, all right? if terrorists ever catch you and they say we're going to send you to a desert island or we're going to lock you away in a room and they say to you, you can take only one page from the Bible. You're allowed to take just one page from the Bible. He said, take the page that has Romans chapter 8 on it. He said, take the page that has Romans chapter 8 on it. All right? Now, let's hope that no terrorist walks in here. But let's turn to Romans chapter 8 this morning. So we've been doing Romans with the, uh, with the trainees and uh, uh, exposition. And Romans chapter 8 <coughs> is a very important uh, chapter in the book of Romans. Because there, Paul is talking to Christians... And he, for the first eight chapters, he's been talking about what it means to be born again and saved and all the blessings that, it, uh, that it, uh, we inherit. And in Romans 8, he says, once you become a Christian, you continue living the new Christian life uh, in this world. And this world is a difficult world to live in. Uh, in Romans 8, he says, we will have hardships, we will have difficulty, uh, there might be uh, pain for us. And as you know, we are living in a world that is fraught with danger. Yeah? Uh, in this 21st century in which we live, danger is all around us. I remember when you travel by uh, plane, you could just walk through security, Then they started taking water out of your bottle, water bottles out of your bags. Then they said, take out your belt. Now they're saying, take out your shoes. And you know, you get worried, what else they're going to ask you to take out next as you walk through security. Because it's a dangerous world. And danger is on the increase all the time. You hear of attacks, you hear of blasts. Life is getting increasingly dangerous. How should Christians live at such times? Besides danger, sometimes we can personally face difficulty. Unexpected difficulty can come our way. Sometimes uh, our families can face difficulties. Unplanned, unexpected. How should Christians live in these dangerous days? Well, Romans 8 will answer that for us. Paul begins uh, this particular section in verse 18 of Romans chapter 8. And he says... I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And so for us as Christians, yes, there will be present sufferings. And various kinds of present sufferings will come. But our eyes are on the glory that will be revealed in us. Amen. Now... Uh, in uh, back home in Good News Church, we have a little tradition when we read God's word. I invite the congregation to stand and read it with me. Will you do that with me this morning as well? Just out of reverence to God's word, let's stand and let's read it out loud and clear. All right, loud and clear. Let's let's read out. Uh, I'm reading from Romans chapter uh, eight. Verse 28 onwards, it's there on the screen for you Come And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him Who have been called according to his purpose For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen it is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns no one Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us who shall separate us from the love of Christ can trouble or hardship ...persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword. As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future, nor any past, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. This is God's word. Please just sit down. Please just sit down. Paul says to us that as we live lives in this dangerous world, As we live lives and we will encounter suffering of many kinds, uh, how do we cope with this life? How do we emerge as more than conquerors? He ends this passage by saying, you are more than conquerors. How do we cope? How do we manage to work through life emerging as more than conquerors? Well, Paul says, the way to do it is to keep your eyes on this Great salvation This great salvation And so this morning the title of my message is This great salvation That God has given us And Paul gives us very quickly In a couple of verses Five things about this great salvation uh, Follow me brothers and sisters He starts by saying In He starts by saying In verse uh, verse 29, alright, he starts by saying to us, in verse 29, that for those whom God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, those he predestined, he called, those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he glorified. That for you and me is this great salvation. It is a salvation package and I'd like us to look at it one at a time. This is what Paul says. He says salvation started in the foreknowledge of God about you and me. In other words, at some time in eternity past, long before creation was made, God knew A plan for you and for me. Hallelujah. Amen. That's where God's plan started. God's plan for me did not begin on the day we accepted Jesus. Often we think that's the day God started his plan in our lives. And Paul says, no, 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 no. It started much before that. God had a foreknowledge about you and about me In times immemorial, long before creation began, God had foreknowledge of us. In Ephesians, Paul puts it like this, Ephesians 1 verse 11. In him also we were chosen and predestined according to the plan of God. You see, my friends, so often we can think it is we who chose God. We chose God. I went to a meeting, they gave a call uh, to receive Jesus and I responded. And all that may be true, but way back behind that, the Bible tells us that only happened because thousands of years ago, maybe millions, God had a plan for you and for me in his very mind. Amen. That's where salvation starts. Salvation starts in the heart of mind of God in eternity past. But you know, when the Bible says God had foreknowledge of us, we must remember that word God foreknew has a very special meaning. When you and I say I know something, it just means I have knowledge about it. I know what time I've got to leave this place, for example. I know my wife and children at home. I know how to get to Goa. I know many things. I know things that I have studied, for example. But when the Bible says, God knew, God knew, it means he makes a decision to make someone the object of his affection. Whenever you read the Bible, you will hear these words, and God says, Jacob I have known. Have you ever read that verse? Jacob I have known. And whenever the Bible says God knew, it doesn't mean he just has knowledge of us. No, no, no. It's much more than that. It means God has made a sovereign decision, irrespective of us and our lives, a sovereign decision. One-sided decision to make us the objects of his love. Amen? And so that's where salvation starts, says Paul. And so we must remember this, because you and I are living in a day and in an age when we are told your life is simply a matter of a chemical reaction that happened in your mother's womb. You were conceived because chemicals came together, basically, and those chemicals have formed an organization, and an organism. That's how you were born. That's what science is teaching us today. That's what biology is teaching us today. Alright? Uh, it comes through in the doctrine of evolution. Now, that's what we are being told. That has implications, for example. Many people will, be, will teach that abortion, therefore, is fine. Because it's, it's a termination of a chemical process. It's a chemical process that started and you can terminate it by abortion. It has another implication in our day and age. Have you heard of uh, the controversy about euthanasia? Uh, they are saying that you can now uh, take away the lives of those who are terminally ill or if someone uh, wants to even take away their own life. They are allowed. There is such a thing as assisted suicide that is becoming legal in one or two European nations. Because it, it comes back to this idea that life is just a chemical process. It is your decision to take it away. It started and it, it can be brought to a termination. My friends, God says, no, 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 no. Life is not a chemical process. Life started when I thought of you in eternity past. Amen. That's when I knew that you would come. That's when God knew me by name. He knew you by name in eternity past. Now, not only did he have foreknowledge of us, uh, Paul tells the Romans. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. He says, not only did he foreknow you, he also predestined you. He also predestined us. And all of this is long before we are born. The Bible tells us, Paul tells the Romans, that here's the second thing. Not only did he know about you, he says, he had good plans ready for you long before you were born as well. Jeremiah puts it like this For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you. Amen. And so God makes plans for us long before we are even born, and they are part. Of the salvation package. Now, I was staying uh, with uh, Lyndon and uh, Prakashni over the weekend. I enjoyed their their hospitality, and one of the things I noticed different from last year is that this year uh, they are not just two; they are two and a half. They are uh, 2.6. Prakashni said to me, and uh, there's a lot of baby talk in the house now baby is not even come but they are making plans for the baby she's talking about how she's she's uh, wanting to take time off from work to be at home because the child comes first and they're making plans financial plans areas now I want you to know this if that is how much plans we make for a baby who's not yet come into the world How much more are the plans of God for us long before we come into this world also? Long before we come into this world, before we are born, God has got good plans made for us. Amen? You see, this is so important for us to know because sometimes we think, I chose to follow Jesus. And if I chose to follow Jesus, I can choose to unfollow Jesus sometimes. You know, when difficulties come, we think, I can choose to unfollow Jesus. And I want you to know, it is not your decision to follow him which started salvation. It started with his decision to choose and call you. Amen? And then one day, the Bible tells us, one day, after these things happened, you and I were born. We came into this world, but we come into this world as sinners. Paul tells us. Yes, uh, those who have been studying Romans will know. Then in, in Romans chapter 5, we are told people fall in two categories. Into the children of Jesus, the, under the, uh, the leadership of Jesus, or under the leadership of Adam. No one is born directly under the leadership of Jesus. We are all born in Adam. We are all born sinners. All right? And uh, I want to say this as gently as I can to my dear friend Valentino. Your lovely, beautiful child is born a sinner. That is true. You know, and as uh, Vinu was saying, it is your uh, great privilege to teach her about God and bring her into the kingdom of God. Amen. As we must get rid of this idea that we are born innocent. No one is born innocent, the Bible says. We are all born sinners. And I was often tell the, story, the, the, the my own story, how one day I came home with uh, a uh, sharpener from the bag of my neighbor when I was in kindergarten school. Now my parents didn't teach me that. They didn't say, Ranjit, when you're coming home, make sure you steal a sharpener and bring it home. They didn't. They didn't. But there was sin already in me. And so lying, stealing, jealousy didn't need to be taught to me by my parents. It came automatically. And so we are born sinners, the Bible says. We choose sin. Sin is not difficult for us. And then one day... In our sinful state, but the Bible tells us, Paul tells the Romans, God called us. Hallelujah. Amen. God called us. God called me and he he entered my sin-ridden mind and my sin-hungry heart. And he said, Ranjit, now is your time to enter the kingdom of God. Would you say that is true for you as well? Was there a time when you didn't know Jesus? And was there a time when Jesus called you and he said, come now, come. Amen. And the Bible calls that an irresistible call. Theologians say, when Jesus calls you, you can't say no to that call. That is the call of the one who made you. That's the call of the good shepherd. Amen. And against our wishes, against what our people say, we make our way into the kingdom of God. What happens when we hear God's call? Well, the Bible tells us, Paul says to the, uh, to the Romans, this is the, the fourth point in the salvation package. Number four, when you make your way and you respond to Jesus, he justifies you. He justifies you. You know, there are few words in the New Testament that are sweeter than this word, justified. Justified. Now I want you, it's sad that we don't hear it often in Christian conversation and in prayers. But it is a great word. I want you to say with me, I am justified in Christ. Will you do that? Go ahead, say it with me. I am justified in Christ. And very quickly, let me tell you what happens at this stage. At this stage, God takes you and me as ordinary sinners with black hearts. And dark minds, idol worshipping, evil seeking sinners. He takes us, washes our sins away by the blood of his own son. Takes away a sinful heart and gives us a new heart and a new life that now wants to walk in the ways of Jesus. Amen. That is called justification. It is an instant thing that God does the day you receive him as your Lord and Savior. It is taking away the old and bringing in the new. You know, I once had a young man uh, in our church and I said to him, Have you been born again? And he said to me, he said, you know, uh, I'm not sure. I think little by little I'm becoming born again. Little by little I'm becoming born again. And I said to him, "You, uh, uh, I don't think you've understood what it means to be born again. You don't become little by little born again. He thought, he, uh, he, he thought I was asking about changing his life. And I often say, if you want to become better, you don't need to come to Jesus. You can go to Google. Google will help you how to become a better cook, a better teacher, better accountant, better professor. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't make you better. Jesus gives you a new life. Hallelujah. He takes away the old. That's why Corinthians says, if anyone is in Christ, the old has gone and the new has come. Amen. So we are justified. And then he sets us on this path of changing our life into the image of Jesus. Don't ever underestimate this miracle. You know, uh, China had a dictator called Mao Zedong. Uh, He was a very uh, uh, strong man, wicked sometimes. And when he died, he ruled the country for 27 years. When he died, they thought that there'll be uproar in the nation. And so what his politburo said to the doctors is this. They said, look, whatever happens... Try and make him look like he's alive to the people. And the doctor said, look, he's dead. Life has gone. Death has started working in this man. We can't bring life back to a dead man. And they said to him, you know what happens if you don't listen to us. I, I often joke about elections in China. You know, they say in China at elect, for elections, they have two boxes. Uh, either you put your vote in one box or they put you in the other box. They said, they said that's how voting is in China. And that's what they said to the doctors, basically. The doctors injected his neck with 20 liters of formaldehyde, this dead body. His face got swollen, his neck became as fat as his body, chemicals began to ooze out of his uh, pores... They cut his suit behind so that they could put it over his swollen body. They covered his body with a flag because it was such a mess. But still, the body began to decompose. And the Bible tells us that that is our condition before we know the Lord Jesus. We are on a journey of decomposition. Only Jesus gives new life. Amen. And I want to say to anyone who is here, maybe you're a visitor, maybe this is your first visit here, you've come as a guest or as a friend, I don't know, I'm an outsider, so I can say these things, but uh, I want to say this to you, your life, God made you in his image so that you might worship him. And today, before you leave this hall, you can receive new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. You might think, what do I need to do? You need to do nothing. The only thing you can give him is your old sinful life. Receive him as your Lord and Savior, and he will give you new life. Would you say amen to that? Amen. You know, uh, last Sunday uh, in uh, Good News Church, I had just finished the first session, and I was getting ready for the second session. Uh, A young man came for the first time, teenager, 16-year-old boy, uh, not a Christian, doesn't know Jesus at all, came to our service and I met him at the end and I said, uh, have you received Jesus? And he said, no, I've not. And I said, would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he said, yes. And people were standing in line for prayer, for healing. I said, listen, please, can you be sick for another one day till I, so that I don't pray for you today? Because today... A soul is going to leave the kingdom of darkness and enter the kingdom of light. Amen. And I said, uh, No, there's others who can pray for you. And I sat there. In a few minutes, God opened this boy's heart. He received Jesus and he was instantly justified. Amen. And he moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And I want to say this to you, brothers and sisters. Today, you can also. Bring many people. This is God's call upon your life and my life. Just as someone came, shared the gospel with you and with me, you and I are also called to go out and bring many others to give this call of God to many others that they too might find salvation. Let me very quickly tell you the story of the Reverend John Harper. Reverend John Harper was a preacher, he was on board the Titanic. When the Titanic hit the iceberg, and all were making a mad rush for the for the for the lifeboats, Harper said, "Let the women and children and the ice and the unsaved go in the in the lifeboats. Women, children, and the unsaved. Let them get in the lifeboats." He kissed his only daughter goodbye for the last last time, placed her on the lifeboat, went into the waters again, not concerned for his life. He went to the unsaved people who are dying there. And he said to them, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. (coughs) Sorry. Called out to a man hanging on to a piece of wood and said to him, Have you received the Lord? The man said, No. A second time, he came back to the man and said, How are you saved as yet? And the man said, no, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Harper said one last time to him and slipped beneath the waves. The young man clinging onto that board was rescued and later testified that he had indeed been saved. Not by a rescuing ship, but by the gospel from the words of the Reverend John Harper. And if you are saved, brothers and sisters, today... Is the day when you and I have to go out and invite others into the kingdom of God. The door is still open. One day he will come and the door will be closed. But as of now, the door is open. Amen. Let's move on. Finally, finally, the last uh, <clears throat> the last part of the salvation package says Paul. He says, those whom he justified he also glorified those he justified he also glorified and this is as though paul is so confident about the salvation package he is so sure that the work that jesus began in our lives in eternity past right through our call and justification he is so sure That Jesus, the good shepherd, is able to lose none that the Father has given him. Paul is so sure of that, that he speaks of what is going to happen as though it has already happened. We are going to be glorified one day, but Paul is so sure that because of Jesus' strong salvation, we will make it, he says, we are glorified already. It's as though he has now gone and shifted into the fifth gear on the highway of salvation. Notice what Jude says. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority forever and ever. Amen. 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 Brothers and sisters, it is not up to you, you must not, We must not put our confidence in our feeble hold on Jesus to make it Rather, our confidence is in His strong hold of us that will enable us to make it Amen Our confidence is not in our frail grasp of Him but of his sure grasp of me And so Paul says to us As we go through life on, In this world We will face many difficulties And here are five that he gives us Here's the first one He says As you go through life Is it possible that you might face some enemy Who might deprive you Maybe a boss you might find you are not reaching your sales targets. You might have some difficulty in the family. You might have a child or, or a relative who's not walking with God. Difficulties will come in many ways. Is there some enemy who might oppose you in a strong way? Well, Paul says that might happen, but if God is for us, who can be with us, against us? Amen. Jesus is committed to walking the way of life with us. Here's a second question that can a difficulty that can sometimes come in our lives. As I walk through life, could I perhaps face some great need in my life? Is it possible that even though I've insured health and body and house and car and everything, is it possible that some great sickness might come in my life? Is it possible that my some organ might fail, some sickness might come? Is there some great need that might come? Some great financial need, perhaps. And Paul says to the Romans, He who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Amen. This is what he says. He says, If he did the bigger thing of settling our eternal destiny, what are these small things that bother you? And brothers and sisters, when small things worry us, the small needs of life, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen? We need to say, if the Father could send Jesus on the cross for me, surely He will either take me through this or He will give me the strength I need and He will lift me out of this situation. Here's a third one. A third one. Could there be someone who might ac- accuse me. Could it be possible that, you know, as a person who's growing in, in sanctification, we are walking in God's ways, we are not perfect, we make mistakes, we sin, yeah? Uh, we say things we shouldn't have, and I, I continue to do that. I continue sometimes to think, Ranchid, why did you even say that? What were you thinking? Yeah? Does that ever happen to you? Come on now, tell the truth and shame the devil. Occasionally, do you? From time to time? You know, we're all growing in holiness, aren't we? And in this time, you begin to think, could there be something that I do that might turn round to bring accusation to me? Could someone accuse me? Well, says Paul uh, to, the, to the Romans, he says, you are, and I are justified by Christ. Amen? And if you are justified by Christ... Who can condemn us? Who can bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? And then Paul says, here's a fourth difficulty that could come our way. We look around, we see other people, uh, sometimes even great men of God, falling into sin. It causes great grief for us. And as a leader, sometimes I think, I say, Lord... Please protect me. Please protect me. I don't want anything to happen that might ever disqualify me. And sometimes we think, could there be some great sin in me that could come up and disqualify and bring condemnation on our lives? And to answer this, says Paul, he says, who is it that condemns? Only one has the right to condemn us. His name is Jesus. Only he has the right and over us, he has said no condemnation. Amen? No condemnation. Turn to someone next to you and say to them, over you, Jesus has said no condemnation. Will you do that? Just turn to you, someone next to you and say, over you, Jesus has said no condemnation. <clears throat> now he comes to the last objection perhaps, a last kind of difficulty we might face in our lives. Alright, and here he says, could there be some unexpected problem that could come in my life? Could there be some unexpected problem that could come in my life? I had a friend in Goa, you know, uh, uh, in Goa, uh, uh, many people tried to migrate and go abroad. And he was so keen to go abroad, he had done all his things and... uh, made all his plans and last minute his application got rejected. Last minute his application got rejected. And he felt his life was crumbling around him because all his plans had gone. And if we are in that place, some unforeseen problem comes our way. Do you think we might fall away? Could anything separate us from the love of God in Christ? Well, says Paul, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Amen. And each, each of these questions is taking us higher and higher and higher. Until now, Paul is looking for words to separate us. He says, neither height nor depth. Angels, demons, present, past, future. He runs out of words. And then he says, no, 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 no. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Even death cannot separate us. Amen? You know, on tombstones they write, date, born, and date died. No? On, on, on coffins they write, at least in Goa, born, died. For you and for me, they will write, born, born again, transferred. Isn't that true? Born, born again, transferred. Because even death cannot separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you one last story before I end. It's the story of a missionary called Mark Burnham. He was a missionary uh, to uh, the Philippines and he was kidnapped by a uh, radical uh, uh, Islamic group called the Abu Sayyaf group. One year they held him captive and just as he was going to be released in a cross file, he was killed. Just before he left his home uh, church in America, I think, just before he left his home church in America, he said this to the church as they were saying bye to him. No one knew he'd never come back. He said, I wasn't called to be a missionary. I wasn't called to the Philippines. I was just called to follow Christ. And that is what I am doing. Brothers and sisters, you and I may not be called to be missionaries. You and I may not be called to the Philippines. But you and I are called to follow Christ. Amen. And Paul says, neither height nor depth, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Let's just close eyes and let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful to you that we did not choose you, but you chose us in our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we live in a world that's increasingly dangerous, there will be, Lord God, suffering for some of us and for some, perhaps even death. When these things come to us, I pray that we will walk strong in this great salvation we will know that nobody can snatch us out of your hand. For you had foreknowledge of us. You predestined us with good plans, Lord God. And when we were born, you called us and you justified us. You took away the evil of our lives and you gave us a new life. And we are on the path of glorification now, Lord God. Neither height nor depth. Neither angels nor demons Nothing in all creation Can take away our salvation in Christ Jesus I pray God that you will enable us to continue to live Strong, robust lives for you Doing all we can to advance your kingdom And bringing many out of darkness Into your marvelous light We ask in the name of Jesus Amen Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your attention.